Hi everyone, and welcome to How to College for First Gens, our podcast where we get together over some coffee to have real conversations about what it's like to be a first-generation college student before, during, and after college. If you're a new listener, our goal here is to democratize knowledge that we've gained along the way, learn a bit more about being a first-gen, and hopefully help others going through some of the challenges that we've experienced by sharing lessons learned from fellow first-gens. I am Norma Torres-Mendoza, one of the podcast co-hosts, a first-generation college student myself who also experienced the roller coaster of this journey. In this episode, I will have two discussions with college student Truck and graduate student Lex on how they are making the best of their studies as they navigate the complexity of being first gens in the time of this COVID-19 pandemic. They will share with us some tricks and tips on how to make the best out of this time. Let's get started. Hi Truck, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hi, thanks for having me. We're super excited to have you. Please tell our audience a little bit about you. I am a first-gen student at University of Texas A&M, pursuing a Bachelor of Science in Electronic Engineering and a minor in Cybersecurity. I spent the majority of my uh, teenage year living in Houston, Texas, but I'm actually an immigrant from Vietnam. I had the opportunity to move to the United States back in 2003. Can you tell me a little bit more about why your family and you decided to come to the U.S.? In pursuit of the American dream, I would say, uh, to have a better life, to have a better career-wise. My parents growing up in Vietnam has a very difficult life because uh, we live in a very poor environment, middle to low class, I would say. And pursuing the American dream is our only way to take the big step to change our lives. During this time, I was the only child. This is no longer true because my parents gave birth to my younger, talented sister, the one that learned how to play guitar and piano by herself during her free time. One of my goals in life is to be the stepping stone for my sister, as I know how difficult it is to grow up not having anyone to ask for advice. And how old were you? And can you tell me what were you thinking when you first moved here? I was around 10 or 9. And that experience is shocking and difficult, I would say, because moving to anywhere, and honestly, it's it's a big step because not only are your environment changed, but your living situation has changed dramatically. I went from going to school on my bike to taking the bus to school. That's very different. And when I first moved here, seeing snow for the very first time has blown my mind to this very day. Growing up, my parents had a very difficult life and education was both expensive and out of reach. This is why my parents really pushed my sister and I to do well in school and to get a college degree so we can live a great life after. Their motivational words and their sacrifice have always been on the back of my mind. And I want to prove to them that I can do it because of their support and make them proud. So I actually remember that you said this to me back in 2012 when I coordinated and co-founded the Young Owls program. And I shared with you all my essay to college about being an immigrant in this country. And I think that's how you and I bonded. Because even though we came from very different countries, our families came to the U.S. for one dream. And, and that dream in many ways has manifested itself via education. So tell me, how did you decide that a and 
A&M was the place for you? Growing up, I knew I wanted to pursue engineering because I wanted to connect my love for electronics into a uh, career choice. I decided A&M was the place for me because I knew I wanted to get a good education at, at the same time explore the opportunity that engineering can provide for me. Anything related to uh, computers, to electronics, and, and I believe that I made the right choice and stepped into Texas A&M to pursue that dream. So I don't know if you remember, but maybe it was 2013. My friend Zach and I packed our cars and we drove you and one of your friends there because you had never been to Texas A&M and it was your dream school. But it turned out that you didn't get accepted straight to A&M. Can you tell me a little bit about that process? What was the school that you were accepted and then how did you transfer over to Texas A&M? So that was one of the biggest, I say, downfall in my uh, education career because I did get accepted to A&M University, but I did not get accepted to my college, which is engineering college. What ended up happening is I was put into a program that transitioned. So I was taking classes both at A&M and Blinn College, which is college right next to A&M that helped me transition to engineering So now you are part of A&M and you are a senior and you are studying engineering. So your senior year is probably not what you expected because back in February, March timeline, we all learned about this crazy thing called the COVID-19 pandemic. So Now we're going to transition to talk a little bit about what that experience has been like for you. So first, tell our audience. So when did you first hear about COVID-19? Where were you? What were you doing? I learned about COVID uh, while watching a news channel on YouTube. At the time, it didn't sound too bad. Oh boy, was I wrong on that. <laughs> it spread like wildfire. Next thing you know, I had to go buy toilet paper. You know, the year 2019 was the year I stood in line to buy toilet paper. That sounds insane. Especially for many of us who came from literally nothing, right? Like we came to this country because it was the country of abundance. And now here we are in 2020 standing in line for toilet paper. It's insane for me because that's the last thing I would think about to get for a disaster or, or a pandemic. You know, the first thing in my, my mind was like hand sanitizer or any sort of food with toilet paper that's a bit crazy never would i imagine that would be the number one thing that people would buy during a pandemic yeah and it was kind of irrational right because i think we saw people buying it and so all of a sudden in our brains we were like oh we must get it so it's this notion of scarcity that if i don't have it then i'm gonna be in big trouble so anyways it turned out that on the one hand it was a real pandemic on the other hand our fear about toilet paper was probably not appropriate so did you go on spring break and then did you come back or what was that process like So I went on spring break looking forward to go attending class right afterwards. But the pandemic happened and then my university ended up canceling class for the next week and then pushed towards a virtual learning for the rest of the semester. And so can we talk a little bit about some of the changes that you've encountered now that you've been virtual, I guess, basically all of last semester? So what happened then? What, what were your classes like? Classes were a lot different in comparison to virtual versus 
a physical class. Everything's online. Everything's technology-based. There's a lot of pros and cons into transition to virtual learning. The cons would be failing technology. Internet would go down sometimes or professor would not show up half of the time. Being overwhelmed by just attending class and submitting assignments and doing different different projects with classmates. Pro to it is I have a lot of time in the world now to do whatever I like because I don't have to attend class. Yeah, transportation-wise, going on the bus and driving my car and walking. I could just hop on the class with a click on a button because of the, te- the technology we have nowadays. And since, you know, since the pan- pandemic started, I have yet to arrive late to my class. <laughs> I'm happy to hear that the commute from your bed to your computer has brought a lot of ease and that you have not been late to class at all this semester. And it's funny that you mentioned about the internet going down because in our previous episode, Michelle, our high school student, talked about how her internet went down where she was taking her AP statistics exam. So did that happen to you as well? Were you taking any exams when your internet went down? My internet luckily did not go down while taking the test, but it has gone down several times during lectures and lab time. And that has really brought up some challenges. My sister and I take classes together. She would have a class from eight to three and her internet would just go from 100 megabits per second to zero. It would shut her out of her meeting and shut her out of her test. She is crazy mad about it, but there's nothing much we could do about it. So then tell me, you went on to your summer break and what happened during that summer break? Were your plans canceled because of COVID? I had a lot of plans for amusement and a lot of plans for academic. Uh, I planned with a bunch of friends to go on a road trip from Texas to California. And I would take as many classes as I could. So my last semester in college would be as smooth as possible. Both of these plans got canceled because of COVID. To me, this pandemic is like an unwanted, uninvited family member that came and visit you. And you can't leave them by the door, nor can you tell them to come back next year. None of us expected this. None of us wanted this. And it has impacted us in many ways. And I'm so sorry to hear that your summer plans did not go accordingly. And that now you have to take more classes your senior year um, to be able to graduate in December. So what about the job prospects? Have you found it difficult to look for a job during the pandemic? Yes, it has been quite difficult to find a job during the pandemic because a lot of companies nowadays, they are unsure of what's happening in the next few months. And so they have definitely slowed down the recruiting process. However, the companies that do recruit, their recruitment Plans are exactly the same as before. They would have interviews. Uh, instead of physical, it will be on virtual. So I've done a lot of those recently. And companies are way, way easier in terms of recruiting because they understand that everyone's struggling to travel from place to place. Everyone's just not willing to go to actual physical meetings. I think you're right. Three things have sort of happened in the job market. One, companies have basically frozen some of their internships and job offers. Two, if companies are hiring, they have been able to move everything virtually. And then the third thing is probably on the academic side. I think some companies are willing to maybe overlook some of the grades from this period of time, just given all the uncertainties that we have experienced. So yes, I I think that's also what I've seen. So now, Now that you've returned back to school for this fall semester, can you share with us three things that you've learned about being a college student 100% virtual? One of the main key things I learned attending classes in virtual time is to have that 
time management skills mastered. Yes, I have all the time in the world to complete any assignment. Yes, I have all the time in hand class because most most of the lectures are recorded and posted online. But it is wise and it is the right thing to do and manage your time wisely because you don't want to wait last minute as people tend to do nowadays uh, because uh, everything is online and it's virtual. Another thing I learned is that having multiple alarms for the morning to wake up to attend classes. I'm terrible at waking up in the morning because I'm definitely a night owl and I'll stay up until 3 to 4 a.m. doing class, doing work. So definitely learn how to manage your time and definitely learn how to get up in the morning. Can you tell me a little bit about how you are interacting with professors nowadays during the pandemic? My professors really put effort into giving me all the resources possible. They would have their lecture recorded so I can go back and rewatch things that I, I could have missed. Having those resources online and present to you is always helpful. You can always go back and rewatch things that you have might have misheard. They even go the extra mile of the posting lecture notes. And my professors especially are amazing because they would not hesitate to assist me whenever I need help. So I would just email them about a question and they would be free on Zoom. So a lot of our listeners might be introverts struck and this thought of emailing someone or even sending a direct message on Zoom might be extremely scary to them. What are your thoughts there? Do you have any tips for somebody who is like, oh my gosh, I'm too scared to email my professor or what if they think I'm dumb or what if they think I don't get it? What do you do when you don't get something and why do you think it's important to reach out now more than ever? So one of the tips I would say is don't be afraid to reach out for help, especially with school work related. I believe that in today's society, we all have that mentality of asking for help is a negative thing. It's sort of looked down upon. And I think this is a wrong idea to live by because we all need to move past that negative mentality. I think it is okay to ask for help. We are humans. We all make mistakes. It's nice sometimes just to reach out to get the help you need, especially now during COVID. I was afraid to email my professor or send them a text. Me. But it's it definitely has gone through the phase where I'm more comfortable with it now because I've done it so many times in the past. So I would totally recommend someone just to take that first step, that first initial step to ask for help. Yeah. And sometimes you just don't even know, right? Like you can create really good relationships with professors. And another thing is if they see that you're trying really hard and if they see that you're trying to get answers, they're probably more likely to support you when it comes down to like maybe having a B plus to an A minus. Right? Like they'll think, oh, it's Truck, the one that's always sending me questions. Like he's coming to class on time. He's participating. And so I've learned that throughout the years, professors do acknowledge being a bit more proactive in class. Yeah, I think this thing is very true, especially in a big university where your degree classes are a lot smaller in comparison to those basic classes. So you can have classes up to 10 to 15 maybe people per class. And I believe the professors know you by name, know you by your faces. And I believe that by doing that initial step, it would definitely help with your chances of getting a better grade, getting that personal relationship to help in the future. So your degree happens to be a lot about building things, right? If I understand it correctly but now you are not physically somewhere to be building them so I'm guessing your labs have changed a lot tell us a little bit about how your actual degree in engineering has been impacted and then what is the school doing to ensure you're still getting the learning experience 
So my degree has to uh, do a lot with designing and building those electronic components. And COVID has definitely have impacted on the degree itself because the majority of the resources on campus are no longer available, especially with meeting with TAs or meeting with team members to do certain projects together. Uh, the social aspect of that is gone because we are limited to amount of people that are able to meet in the room. And resources like uh, oscilloscopes and multimeters and all this engineering equipments are no longer available. So now what do you do? If it's not available and if you can't build and design in a group that is so important, so what happens next? How do you ensure you're still learning? With that all being affected, everything has transitioned to, I would say, a assembly line sort of way. So now I'm about to graduate. I have to do a senior project in which I have to work with three other members on a senior design. And with not being able to meet with them in person, we all have to do this little uh, hot potato with our design. And we would take turns each week to work on the project. So it's not the same. And I know that teamwork is a big deal for electrical engineering. So I'm sure that's impacting you quite a bit. So now I'm going to zoom out a little bit. And I just kind of want to hear what are some other struggles that you're facing due to the pandemic. It definitely had to do with my well-being because for COVID, there's always this constant fear in the back of my head that I would lose the people around me. It is such a negative thing to think about, but it's just always in the back of my head. And the thoughts of just losing someone would bring like tremendous pain and I would be lost. I don't like the feeling of being lost. And I cope by telling myself over and over, everything will be okay. And pushing it towards the struggle of not meeting friends and seeing them definitely is hard. I can definitely relate. I think that when we see the news and see the number of people that have died from this pandemic, it is probably one of the most scariest things I've seen. And then you couple that with people that you've personally know who have started losing loved ones. I mean, that's really when it hits home. So it is a really scary thought and something that I think about for my mom because, you know, she doesn't have pretty good health insurance. So I'm always thinking, you know, are we exposing her unnecessarily? Are we doing everything we can to keep her safe? And yeah, the last thing you mentioned was the friend aspect. I I think for many of us, especially many of us that are extroverts, we are fueled by other people around us and we no longer have that. So that definitely is one of the downsides. Have you been able to do any online events with your friends or anything to maybe make it a little bit better? Oh, definitely. Yes. We started to talk to each other weekly. We have a, a weekly group chat, catching up with everyone, how someone's doing and whatnot. And recently we uh, we hopped on the train of Among Us. It's a game that we can play together to keep us entertained while this pandemic is going on. So maybe can you talk a little bit of the positive aspects, maybe the extra time that you have and what you have been able to do it because of this pandemic? Oh, definitely. Of course, there's positive things that came out of COVID. Due to the other extra time that I have nowadays because of COVID, I've managed to connect with my family a lot more. Uh, Nowadays, I get the opportunity to sit down with my parents and actually have dinner and talk about our lives and our our daily activities. And it really brings in the inner sun out of me, I would say. I don't remember the last time I sat down and ate dinner and talked to my parents or my little sister through a dinner conversation versus just uh, seeing each other in the hallway or talking about talking with each other in the car. 
especially now during the pandemic, I had plenty of time to learn new skills. And recently, my little sister and I started playing um, piano together. And we learned through just using like apps. I feel like that's has really brought our connection to a whole new level. Well, your sister is so precious. I just can't imagine all the amazing times you're having with her learning how to play the piano. So lastly, Truck, I just kind of want to hear what are your words of encouragement for other college students listening to this as they too might be experiencing their senior year of college virtually? A word of advice I would give my fellow peers is stay positive. We are going to get through this together. The year of 2020 is almost over. We're definitely going to remember this. It's all going to be a history. Go class 2020. Well, thank you so much for your advice. And I think that's right. And I could not have said it better myself. We just have to stay positive and we have to keep on going. The sun will rise tomorrow and we will have another opportunity to make an impact in the world. So Truck, with that, we thank you so much and we appreciate your time on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Finally, we will jump into a discussion with our graduate student Lex, who is getting both her MBA and a master's in urban planning at the University of Michigan. Hi, Lex. Welcome to the show. How are you today? I am wonderful, Norma. How are you? Good. Just enjoying a beautiful Saturday here in Houston, Texas. Well, Lex, uh, thank you so much for being on the show. Please tell our audience a little bit about you. Hello, everyone. My name is Lex, and I am from Bowie, Maryland, which is right outside of D.C., and I went to undergrad grad in Maryland at the University of Maryland, Baltimore County, UMBC, where I studied gender and women's studies. And I'm currently in grad school at the University of Michigan, where I am doing a dual degree MBA and master's of urban and regional planning. Before we jump into everything you just said about gender studies and all the good degrees you're getting, because I do want to dig in a little bit on that. Tell us a little bit about your background, maybe about your family. How did you first learn you were a first gen student? Absolutely. Both my parents are from D.C. They definitely worked really hard to provide me with a different childhood and what they grew up. They grew up in low income families and I grew up middle class. So my parents, for most of my childhood, they worked two jobs. Um, in the day, they were school bus drivers for Prince George's County. And at night, they would work at Target, like Target, where everybody loves to shop, shopping shelves overnight. So they worked very, very hard and definitely imbued me with a very strong sense of gratitude and service, which definitely influenced all of my studies, my earlier career before I came back to grad school, and even still now. So both my parents, they started college, but neither one of them finished. So my mom actually had to quit college because she got pregnant with my older brother when she was 17 or 18, then I'm actually not sure why my father. So this makes me want to go back and ask him about that. Growing up, did your mom and dad instill this power of education or were they sort of a little bit more Elizabeth-air? Like, if it comes, great, we'll support you in the process. They were definitely very strong on education and the power of education and what it could do for me. So they made sure I always worked hard. My father told me at the beginning of every school year, he told me I had to sit at the front of the class. And if he showed up at school and I wasn't at the front, I would be in trouble. So (laughs) I always loved school. School is something that came pretty naturally for me. 
So just so our audience knows, Lex and I met each other in the summer of 2012 when we did a Princeton program. And I kid y'all not, Lex was sitting there in the front of the classroom ready to take notes. So your dad would have been really proud, Lex. So let's loop back a little bit. So what exactly is gender studies and how does that then turn into urban planning now? And I guess your MBA as well. So I knew that I wanted to have a career in public service. And so I did a public service scholars program in undergrad and was originally doing political science and econ, decided those were not for me and ended up transitioning into gender and women's studies. First time I knew that there was all of this academic study and there was language for things that I had experienced growing up as a black woman in America to describe systems of oppression. And so that was really transformative for me to be able to put all these words to my experience and things that, you know, I had grown up with, with my parents telling me and things you just, you're like, you know, all these things are going on, but you don't realize how systemic it is. So that was transformative for me, especially knowing that I wanted to go into a career in public service. I ended up doing that as my major. And then directly after college, I taught English to Malaysia as a Fulbright and then decided that I wanted to go into education. So I taught elementary school first in DC and then in Baltimore. And I love teaching, but it's also one of the hardest things. I have ever, ever, ever done in my life and felt like I wasn't having the impact that I wanted in the communities my students lived in. So I transitioned into doing community and economic development on a major urban redevelopment project in Baltimore. So that's what I was doing for the two years before I came to business school. And I decided to pursue my MBA with a goal of one day starting my own investment firm that invests in real estate and businesses in Black communities as a platform for economic development. And that's also So what inspired me to pursue urban planning degree along with that, where I would be able to focus on economic development, which is something I can't really learn in an MBA degree. So what exactly does this mean, this investment company that you want to start? What is it that you hope to do with it? So with my parents being from D.C., I'm sure everyone knows how D.C. has transformed into a place that has really caused a lot of displacement for Black folks that have lived there for generations. And when I was in Baltimore, which is only 45 minutes north of D.C., there is some development that's happening there. And folks are very hyper-conscious of not wanting to become D.C. in the sense of where all this investment comes and it displaces people. And so I got to see, working on that project, how powerful real estate is and the investment that it attracts to transform a community, which the people there want, but they actually want to be able to stay there, benefit from it, and not get pushed out. And so the real estate industry is one of the least diverse industries that there is. And as long as people of color and folks who are conscious of transforming our communities in an equitable way, we will never be able to stop what is going on in our communities where people are getting displaced. And so that's what inspired me to want to go into real estate, as well as wanting to use it as a platform for economic development, because our communities do need investment. Our families want to build generational wealth. Real estate is one of the ways that a lot of people in this country have made their wealth. And so it has a lot of power. And I also say businesses, because that's part of how we can take charge of what's happening in 
within our communities as well, be able to hire within our communities and keep more money in our communities. And so I needed to go to business school to learn those finance skills and to be able to get that credential to be able to do the kinds of things that I wanted to do. I love everything you're saying, Lex, because as as you know, I too am a huge believer of generational wealth. And I too have decided to do the MBA route because I do believe that our community does need and want some good investment. So I am with you 100%. So now let's pivot a little bit. So you just completed your first year of your MBA program. And part of your semester was very different because of the circumstances that we live in today. So tell me a little bit about COVID and how that has impacted your MBA, given that it happened during your first year. So you can start with how did you first learn about it and then how it impacted your school? I first heard about COVID at the end of February, and it was right before I was leaving to go to Colombia for spring break. Thankfully, I was not one of the schools whose spring break got canceled. It was like just in time. And all I knew at that time was that it was this airborne illness that had deeply impacted Italy and parts of Asia. And so within a week of me coming back from spring break, that's when everything changed, when they shut down all person classes and meetings of any sort. And it definitely changed my summer plans. I was one of those people whose internship got canceled because of COVID, but it ended up being a blessing in disguise because it enabled me to work full time on my own venture, which is called Revel Well. And I've never had time to focus on something for myself like that, that had absolutely nothing to do with school or work. So I'm really thankful for it. So two parts here. So first, what was your internship supposed to be? And then tell us a little bit more about your project and the mission and vision that you have for it. My internship was going to be doing real estate at a big firm in Chicago. And at the end of May, first they told me it was going to be part-time and virtual. And then like a few days later, they told me that it was canceled, that all the funding had been revoked. But I'm a very spiritual person. always believe that God is working out things for me exactly as they are supposed to. I was like, that's completely fine. I will do this. And then as for my project, so it's called Revelwell. And it is an online platform that's about all things healthy relationships breakups, singlehood, and everything in between. And it was inspired by my own breakup with my partner of five years, which happened um, during my very first quarter of business school. So I ended up interviewing 41 people about their breakups in March and April. So right at the height of COVID, when everything was, I think, even more uncertain than it is now. But it worked out because everyone was at home and had plenty of time to talk to me. And so I started this blog to share with the world what I've learned. And I'm really, really excited about it. So tell me a little bit more about that thought process of why now? Why do this project on relationships and maybe some positive feedback that you've received because of your project? It was around the end of December when I finished my first semester that I had got this idea that I wanted to do this blog about relationships. Ever since I was in my relationship, I've been very passionate about this topic because it was such a struggle. And I knew that I wasn't the only one that was struggling and that we just all were not talking about this. We're all posting really cute pictures on Instagram of when we're happy, but we're not having the real conversations of what we're struggling with and how we can support each other. And so I wanted 
wanted to create that community that I wish that I had had all those years. And one of the things that actually motivated me to do these interviews was that I had applied for an entrepreneurship program at my school. It was not my idea to do these interviews at all. (laughs) You had to do interviews as a part of customer discovery for your idea. And so I was very fortunate I got selected for this program. And then I ended up doing all these interviews because it completely took my idea to a whole nother level. So the timing just worked out that way. I knew that this was something that I wanted to do. And when the opportunity came to apply for this entrepreneurship program, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go for it and see what happens. And so I've just been taking it one step at a time along the way as I've been able to develop this idea and bring it to life. I've been working on this since January, but I just started publishing and putting it out into the world in July. And I've been so pleasantly and gratefully overwhelmed by the response of people sharing how they have connected with my story, different quotes that I've shared from my interviews of how it really has validated their feelings and really made them feel a a greater sense of community that they're not the only ones who've experienced these things and how they feel like they're able to learn from my story and the stories of others. So that's really exciting. But I'm looking forward to continuing to see how this evolves. And I think you're so right, especially during these times. I think people now more than ever feel so alone. And that's part of the reason why we also started this podcast, because a lot of our first gens feel like they are the only ones going through imposter syndrome. You know, they're the only ones that feel like they miss home or that things are not working out for them. And we share that in common that Rebel Will also seems to highlight, you know what, there's another side of the coin. Not everything is Instagram lovable. Those are some real feelings that you're right, we often don't discuss. So it sounds like you use this time during COVID to really look inside yourself and say, you know what, there's something I can produce for the world and something that will make us feel a little bit more united, which I think is super cool. But now I'm going to fast forward a little bit. So you have returned to graduate school now. So can you walk us through what that has been like now that you do have to take some Zoom classes? What is the experience and do you feel like you're learning? It's definitely very different, as I'm sure this is, you know, one of the most used words of the year is different and unprecedented. You know, it's actually not that bad. I'm a very positive person. So I'm like, I always like, okay, what's good about this? So I'll start with the challenging part. I feel like you already have a hard enough time focusing in class when you're in person. And that is definitely amplified when you're sitting on a screen. And what about your professors? What are you doing to build better relationships with them, knowing that you can't just stop by their office or even after class and ask a question? So a couple of my professors have really been encouraging us to sign up for office hours. One of them was, he said, I have this schedule over the next two weeks. I want to meet with everybody for 30 minutes. Like he's being very, very proactive about it. Like everybody needs to sign up so he can connect with you. And then another professor like, please sign up for office hours so we can come talk. It really helped for us to have a better connection when I see you all in class. And I'm actually typically not a person that goes to office hours unless I really need to. And I never end up doing it even though I should. I'm very engaged in my classes, so I know my professors anyway. So this is a push for me, too, that in this virtual environment, I need to set up time with professors so I'm still able to get to know them. No, you're so right. So now I want to sort of give some tips to our audience. So people that are in grad school during COVID, I'm wondering if you could give us maybe, and you have throughout the show, pieces of advice that you have of what it's like to be a grad student during COVID. 
So one tip that I would share is that we're all spending a lot less time commuting and getting dressed. (laughs) So that's time added back into our daily life that we can do something else, even if it's as simple as making sure that we're getting more rest and cooking healthier meals for ourselves. Maybe that's more time to work out or could be working on that project that you've always wanted to do, that idea that you haven't done anything with yet. And even if it's just like 20 minutes a day that you want to do this other thing. So I think that that is one great thing that has come out of all of the craziness that is happening in the world right now that people can think about. How would they like to spend that time differently that they otherwise wouldn't have? Another thing is that I am really big on finding what is the good that is happening. There are lots of good things going on that we can still be grateful for and things that would not be happening otherwise. And so I, you know, my advice is to really ask yourself, what is the good that is happening in your life right now that would not be happening otherwise? If my internship had not got canceled, I would not have been able to work on Revel Well full time. And that's something I'm so excited about that I see myself really being able to grow into something special and transformative. So those are really my two things. I really like that. And now I want to zoom out a little bit just because I'm curious about your thoughts. Do you think that as a nation, we have learned a couple of things because of this pandemic? Absolutely. If it wasn't for this pandemic, the reckoning that is going on within racial relations in our country would not be happening. These murders of unarmed Black folks have been going on since the founding of our country. But now in this moment, because everyone was in such a different state and such a different space mentally, physically in their lives, it really made people pay attention in a way that they have never had to before. I definitely see that as a big benefit one of the good things that has come out of this and I'm really hopeful for the change that this is going to spark I know I personally feel much more emboldened to hold people accountable and to be having these conversations that I normally would not be having with non-black folks So what you're saying, Lex, is perhaps it took a moment in our history where all of us had to be maybe isolated in front of our computer, seeing things, perhaps detached from our everyday lives for people to really say, wait a minute, this is happening. It's real. Had it been maybe quote unquote normal times, people would have just gone on with their everyday lives. Is that sort of the intersection that you see there? Absolutely. People had a lot less distractions. People were in a space where they had to stop and be still for these last few months. And so because they had a lot less distractions, they had to pay attention to what was going on. I do not think that if it was life as usual, that we would be seeing what we're seeing right now in terms of people's and organizations response. Agreed. So to finish this off, and because I know you are extremely positive, I would love to hear if you have gained an appreciation for it something maybe unusual that you maybe perhaps took for granted as you were going through your grad school journey or even on a personal level? So one of the things that's been tough for me during this time is that one of my love languages is physical touch. And of course, that's very hard to come by in this current environment. And it's challenging to go months without being able to engage in any physical affection with another person. So it makes me appreciate those opportunities when I do get to physically embrace someone and when there is enough shared trust for us to give each other a simple hug. It makes those moments and those relationships 
relationships even more meaningful. Yes. And one day we will get the opportunity to hug each other again, Lex. And I cannot wait for that moment because you are a great friend. And I always appreciate your insights and your guidance for other first gens. I am sure your family is really proud of you and your journey. And then lastly, Lex, if people want to follow you, if they want to follow the work of Rebel Well, where can they find you? So if you want to go to the website, it is rebelwell.live. So that's R-E-V-E-L-W-E-E-L dot live, as in like live your life. And then on Instagram, it's rebelwell underscore. Perfect. Well, hopefully our listeners will follow you. I obviously do. And I look forward to seeing what comes next. And more than anything, what I appreciate in the last comment you said is you are living in the moment as a grad student and you are looking at it from a positive lens and really connecting with people. So I really appreciate those insights. Thank you so much, Normas. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day. Well, that's it, folks. Thank you so much for listening. As we learned today, there are some tricks and tips to continue to learn, build relationships, not just with professors, but also with your classmates as you go to college and as you're also experiencing graduate school. We also learned that this has been an extremely hard time, not only because we are going through a pandemic, but also because we're having some very difficult discussions around racial and systematic issues in our country. At the end of the day, Lex reminded us though that we must keep a positive attitude. We will get through this as a nation. We will stand stronger and we will see better days. Remember, as always, you are not alone. And it is important that you know and you realize that, especially during these times. Thank you for tuning in. Remember to leave us a review. Let us know what you think and share our episodes with anybody else that you think might benefit from it. Until next time.